There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Bring that back, the bing bongs. Bing bong, bing was it bong, gone? bing bong. Was it gone? It was gone. Hi, everyone. It's Suggestible, <laughs> the show where we say, listen to this. Watch this thing that we watched. And you might be like, I already watched that. And we're like, well, that's up to you then. Why does this happen every time? I know. She's been quiet the whole time. The baby makes so much noise. I'm Claire, by the way. James is here also. We're married. We have two kids. Sorry, but I've just got a baby monitor. And she was silent for like an hour. She's down for the night. And then as soon as we start recording. She well, nowhere near her, by the way, so it's not like she can hear us. No. We actually, we, drive up, we, we drive up the street. <laughs> we go to a different studio. We let our kids fend for themselves. We do. We, it's yeah. free-range parenting, mate. That's how you do it, mate. It's That's how, how they did it, it in it's the organic. 70s. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. In the 70s, people used to just drive their kids to the pub, leave them in the car with a juice box, get sozzled, and then drive home. Yep. But they were like, well, that's how it should have been done. And we grew up all right. Heads up, you didn't. There's something wrong with you. Your fucking back brain is broken and you can't see that. Oh, God, this is going to be the boomerang 2.0. <laughs> I still sometimes go and listen to Tom Ballard's little rant about boomers. Yeah, it's good. Even though, hashtag not all boomers, we have lovely parents who are boomers and they're great. Exactly. However, everybody needs, I think, to get some counselling. Well, we're coming for you. We're coming for all your properties and your negative gearing. We're going to dump you in a home. No. Die alone. No. <laughs> we're coming for all your Don't. stuff. We're going to fix global warming. There's nothing you can do about it. I don't want it. any of this stuff. All my monster is very old and heavy. I don't want any of it. I want none of it. No, me neither. Anyway. My, oh. parents, um, my parents are like, can we just burn this down when they, no. when they pass? Just burn the house down. That is a terrible thing to say. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they won't be in it, probably. No. Anyway, Anywho, let's, let's, let's recommend get some stuff. recommending uh, stuff. Uh, gentlemen's first. Sure. Well, you old boot. You're doing a lot of finger guns at me with that one. Uh, so Pachow, Gotcha. You never know where I'm going to shoot you know. from the hip with my old boot in. It's true. Now, if you uh, stick a boot in you. Did you see Uncut Gems? Uncut Gems. Gems with Adam Sandler? Uh, no, you told Netflix me movie? to. Didn't watch it. Yeah, it's pretty harrowing. So I thought, I'm going to go back. I'm, look, I'm loving some Robert Pattinson at the moment. He's the new Batman, obviously. Robert uh, Batten Bat. Bat. Robert Batten Bat, yes, which is filming at the moment. He's also. Uh, He's also, of course, in the new movie Tenet, which Mason and I talked about on our more successful oh, podcast. Oh, the very recent release. Very recent re- release <laughs> in Melbourne, even though it's been out everywhere else for like six for like, months. And James had an existential crisis because we've been locked down for so long and that was the thing that broke you. It wasn't not being able to see people. It really did. It wasn't the social distancing. Nah, it wasn't the masks. Don't care. It wasn't not being able to get your hair cut. Nah, but Tenet sent you over the edge. It did. But then I got to a point where I got well past it. So by the time I saw it, I was just like, whatever. I could never see this and that's fine. <laughs> and then you said you came back and I thought you would be like, the first time I've been in a cinematic <laughs> experience, movies of my life, I'm so happy. And I was like all prepped and ready for you to become in all like skipping and daisies. And I was like, you didn't even say anything. You just walked in and made yourself a sandwich. Yeah. And I was like, James, how was it? And you're like, yeah, it was all right. Was all right. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? You went in and he's like, oh. 
If I could have got it at home, we'd just watch it at home. Hundred percent. What? Hundred percent. You don't. You. You and our son, mate. Look, the I same. Think, I don't think enjoy things. Should, like, I, I, it's, a, it's a wonderful business, and I don't want it to disappear. And I like going to the movies, but if I had to choose, I wouldn't go ever. <laughs> Anyway, However, but- like it didn't even dawn on me because I know a lot of people like when I got back in the cinema, I hadn't been there for eight months and I felt home. I'd forgotten that I hadn't seen a movie since Bloodshot. Like it didn't occur to me. That- but it had tortured you that you couldn't go. Oh, no, it, it was just, just that the you seeing of it. I don't it. care where I see it. Uh- I watched it on an iPhone <laughs> vertically. God, you're the way such Quibi a bloody intended. miserable sod, aren't you? Miserable. I just don't have a preference you for You and our son, you're like very similar and you're both just so grumpy and you don't like doing anything. It's true. Oh, mate. He's keen to teach us cotton don that he doesn't like doing anything that either. To, yeah. And he thinks it's a secret that she doesn't that was know. <laughs> that he hates he going to this, bush kinder. Well, I should go on to this. He does this thing called bush kinder where they go out in the in the, in the wilderness. Not the wilderness. They go to like a park, like a nature reserve, and they do it every week for a few hours. And I force him to do it because and I knew put, he would hate it. Yeah, they put on gum boots and like waterproof pants and they run around. And as I did at that age, he fucking hates it. <laughs> but he doesn't tell, like he tells us, but he doesn't tell her. And I'm like, tonight at dinner, we're like, did you tell your teacher that you don't like it? And he goes, no, it's a, I keep it a secret. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, when the, um, we, when you went to pick him up from kid, uh, the kid, the teacher clearly knew yeah, that knew he exactly didn't like what's it. Up, yeah. And there's a group photo. <laughs> I wish we could post it. <laughs> so funny. Of kid, Bush kid, and all the kids are lined up on this lovely log in the sunshine. The teachers are beaming. They're all like all in different colours, just looking like joyful. All these mates, like cheeky grins, arms around each other. And there's our little dude on the end <laughs> with the death stare of the century. And I bought him these bright yellow gumboots. Yeah. So he sticks out like a sore thumb. Yeah. And he's just. He just hates, hates it. Hates it. He pretends to yeah. be Batman and goes into one of the bush huts yeah. and refuses to get I out. I understand that because I because I spent a lot of time in the bush as a kid and like I have no tolerance for it like at all. Like I like it, but like for, for to a point, and especially like in gum boots, you can't walk properly. You're clomping around and in like hot, sweaty, like waterproof pants over your regular pants. I told you this. I, we got to get on with this, but look, I just tell, quickly tell the story. When I was a kid, about his age. They, uh, I, I went out on this, like, it was like this little scout kind of thing. It wasn't scouts, but it was something like that. And they're like, we're going to go and cook damper, which is like this form of, like, it's Australian bush bread. It's just, I see. He it's bit, bread I love it. It's so great. You cook it yeah. and then you have it with butter and jam. It's always my favorite thing. But it's to be bad. fair, I love bloody everything. Yeah, it's bad bread, right? And there was a <laughs> no, moment. It's like a it's nice terrible. scone. No, it's That's not good. Delicious. Anyway, and it's always got, like, grit and soot in it. It's no good. <laughs> Just have, just have regular You're bread. Just have regular bread. Regular bread exists. You don't need to cook oh bread in the fucking God. dirt. Anyway, <laughs> so I remember there was a moment when they, they took us out to like this relatively remote place. It wasn't that. But, you know, they're like, so the bush in many ways is like a, it's like an orchestra and all the sounds of the bush that they make music. If you listen for the birds and the swooshing of the trees and the animals and the, and the cracking of twigs and bark and, you know, and all that kind of thing. So if you close your eyes you'll hear like the music of the bush, right? <laughs> and so everybody closes their eyes for like a minute and I'm just like, I'm just, I'm just listening and I'm like, it just sounds like fucking birds, mate. Like I didn't even, I'm like, there's no rhythm to this. It's just like, ah! just like and leaves like rustling. I'm like, this is just, this is like nature. Like I don't, there's no, there's no tune. And- in that story is the <laughs> fundamental difference between me and you because we did that exact same activity when I was a kid and I lost myself 
sick just dreaming up music. Like I was bloody, I still do it now. I literally recorded a video on my Instagram this morning of me just like out under a tree. Don't tell me it's, don't tell me it's music. Don't tell me it's fucking music. Cause it's not. <laughs> that was not set up, but that I literally did that. But it's James. It's I'm not one of those thing. guys who's like, like certain music, spirit like thing. rap music is a music or opera is a music. Cause I don't like it or whatever. All all music is valid. This is not music. It's just nature sounds. It's just nature sounds. There's a reason why you can't be like, oh, the number one track this week is three minutes of fucking tree swaying in the wind. What about like Enya? That's different. Anyway, I got to do this. We got to move on. We got to get on. It's gone for way too long. Anyway, Good Time is the previous film that the Safdie brothers did, Uncut Gems, and it stars Robert Pattinson, and one of the Safdie brothers plays his disabled brother, and what he does, they're kind of this lower class kind of family, and they, they look out for each other, and his brother's doing counselling, but he doesn't like that. He likes to kind of be in charge of him and, like, not, well, look out for him more than anything. So Robert Pattinson, though, kind of gets him to rob a bank with him. So they rob a bank together, but from there everything just goes, like, south. There's tits like a, up? Tits up, exactly. So his brother ends up getting caught and the rest of the movie is Robert Pattinson being on the run while his brother... With is, his tits up? He's got his tits up <laughs> while his brother's in jail. Everybody in the news like knows this thing has happened and knows who he is. So he's trying to gather enough money initially to get Bond to get, to get him out or then he kind of he pivots when different situations happen and he's like, actually, I, can, I found out where he is specifically so I can get him out of the, like, the hospital. And I can like, put my tits down. Can put his tits down and relax. Put your tits <laughs> down, your feet up. That's what he's thinking. So as all these things are happening and he's like pivoting to different ideas and things. Pirouetti. Yeah, you find more about all the characters and their relationship and specifically him and he's not a bad guy. Well, he is, but he's in like a dire situation and it does have that feeling like uncut gems where the walls are just closing, like, the entire time. Oh, so it's like this hum of anxiety. Yeah, totally. Will he wear his bra? Will he won't? Will he, we should, Will he especially not? if he's running. But um, that's up to he him. Should. I'm not going to force anybody to wear a bra. That is totally <laughs> your call. But it's really, like, I'd never seen it. Uh, I always, I knew about it and I knew it was good and I knew that he was good in it. But it's terrific. It's really great. I really loved it. Uh, it's not fun. That's one of those things I feel like I say that. I, that's for you. Like when I, It's like same with Uncut Gems. It's not fun. You won't enjoy it. I think, if anything, it's probably it's probably a little lighter than Uncount Gems. Okay. Maybe, but not much. So it's pretty grim. It's pretty but fucking not, grim, yeah. Not terrible. Ter- Look, I watch grim stuff. I've got a grim recommendation today, yeah, mate. Yeah, no grim things in I've got so many like, grim Anyway, things. a good time. It's on Netflix or it is in Netflix. A Australia. good time, but it's actually a bad time. No, it's a good time. Not every movie has to be fun and bright, Claire. <laughs> I don't recommend fun, bright things. I recommend murder mysteries. We got a review a little while back that was like, this show is becoming repetitive. James recommends no the doomsday thing and Claire talks about murder mysteries. Yep. And I am here for it. You love my what you love. My next one's not a doomsday thing. It's all, it's all, it's all Ooh, fun and positive. Positivity. Anyway, what do you got for your murder mystery? Okay, well, just before I get to that, I have a sneaky extra. You know, I like to do that bonus record. You're chucking them in. You're chucking them in. My wonderful cousin, Daniel Woodhouse, oh, yeah. has a band called The House of Wood. I've been meaning to for ages talk to you lovely listeners about um, two of his songs I bloody love, and they cheer me up a lot, and he's very clever. He's been a musician for a really long time. One is called Arisha. 
And the other is called Step Inside. And his band's really funky and really fun and great. He's been working for a really, really long time um, in the music industry. And this is his kind of latest album. And it released and it was like, a you know, everyone loved it. And they did he's some also really, really amazing gigs. He's also really good. It's not like, yeah, he's family, so let's just promote this thing. No. He's genuinely good. Yeah, correct. Uh, exactly. I wouldn't promote it if I did think it was great. Anyway, he's just full of joy. And then the pandemic hit. Yeah. Like right after he released, they released this album. They got all this traction and like loads of people at these like really fun gigs. So they were just like sending energy and love out into the universe. Because he's also an activist and a vegan and just all around funny, great guy. Yeah, he's a really good guy. Um, I'm not just saying that because he's my cuz, but he's also just awesome and really hardworking. And the pandemic hit. And so, you know, things are sort of, he couldn't tour his, his, yeah, his AP and everything. Anyway, so he's on Spotify. Mm. Um, It's called House of Wood and he's got a whole lot of tracks there, but Arisha and Step Inside are my faves. Absolutely. Cool beans. Okay, back to my next one. Yeah, great dude. And he plays a trumpet and it's He plays so many instruments. Yeah, he's one of those freak people that can just like play a million things and then goes, yeah, I'm just teaching myself how to play, I know, the bassoon. And the next minute they're like playing a concerto on the bassoon. That's kind of him. How does he do it? Um, I don't think he plays bassoon, but, you know, you get my... I bet he could. I bet there's a woodwind (laughs) instrument that he could compare it to and then play. I mean, I play the flute, but, you know. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Not that great. No one cares, Claire. I know. The flute's so rubbish. Okay. It's not rubbish. No, it's not, but it's not useful. Like I did it for so many years and you it's can't whip it useful. out. talked to me about useful. I played the trombone, so let's not. Yeah, I know, but James, you didn't commit to it like I did. I did all the exams for it. I got really, really good at it. Who can bloody whip out a flute at a at a party? No one wants to hear someone play the flute if you're sitting around a campfire. What about jazz flute? Like in Well, um, I used to play the jazz flute actually in a band good. for a while. Pretty cool in high school. Anywho. What's your other thing? My other thing. Oh, it's so good. It's called The Undoing. Oh, um, yes. Stars Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant, the old Ooh. Foppo Fox. He's terrifying in this, actually. It gets kind of spooky. It's set in New York. Um, Forget about it's it. It's an American psychological thriller miniseries based on the 2014 novel You Should Have Known by John Humph Karolitz. The miniseries premiered on HBO on the 25th of October 2020 and they're releasing it old school style, mm. one episode a week, which is kind of, it's it's hard because you really uh, have to really wait and it's quite nail-biting. There is, uh, there is something about that though. I like that there is that difference between dumping them all at once like The Crown and this yeah. method, yeah. I do too because it does, I mean, we go back to this a lot. It's that idea that kind of Spotify has killed as well that we used to have with music where when scarcity makes something kind of precious yes, yes, and you yes. value it more. Mm. It was a bit like when they used to release Game of Thrones like that, hey, and it was like in a TV event. I remember when people used to like Game of Thrones and talk about Game of Thrones <laughs> and now everybody's like, can we not talk about Game of Thrones anymore? Well, they just stuffed up the ending, didn't they, yeah, really? They shouldn't have botched it. Maybe we'd talk about it more. They're like, yeah. the prequel series is coming. Gives a shit. Nah, because they botched the ending. Anywho, okay, so back to the undoing. Directed by Susan Beer and produces a David E. Kelly. Oh yeah, from yep. uh, Felicity. Correct. Yeah. yeah, and other things. And other things. Um, and Susan Papandrea and Nicole Kidman. Now, Susan Papandrea is responsible for working also with Reese Witherspoon. Did he do Felicity or did he um, Ali McBeal? Yeah, sorry, go Ali on. Ali McBeal, I think, and yeah. a few other. Didn't he do Marrow's Place? As well. Probably. I'll look at um, it. He's, yeah, done a lot of good stuff. So, yeah, Susan Papandrea has done amazing stuff as well. She's worked with Reese Witherspoon on um, Big Little Lies mm. and also I think the film Wild as well. Anyway, so The Undoing, it starts off as this kind of high society couple. Nicole Kidman is a therapist. Hugh Grant is 
like a pediatrician, but he's he works in man. oncology. I think I guess he's an oncologist. He's a um, he works with kids with cancer basically, yes. and they go. He, their son is really funny and great, and he goes to like a very private school. Fancy lala, very fancy lala, and the clothes and everything are just spectacular. Nicole Kidman has this kind of really spooky, ethereal air about her, which she often does. And her hair's back to classic Nicole Kidman. Red, curly, It's not amazing. classic Nicole Kidman because classic Nicole Kidman, classic, oh, classic, if you go to the 80s, yeah. it's just like a red, scary wig. Oh. Like it's just like <laughs> frizzing and out. I'm All loving right. it. All I right. shouldn't say scary. I love no, that kind of hair scary. as well. I think it's, it's really great. cool. Well, yeah. in this, it's very curly though. Like it's, 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 I would say it's reminiscent of that. Sure. But in a much more sort of, you know, put together in a beautiful way. She's, she's probably got a moose. Incredible she's got a moose person. or a serum that she probably yeah, puts in it. Correct. She's just an incredible looking person. I agree. And seems to have now just kind of become ageless. In she's this, figured out the really. levels of Botox. Yeah, correct. She really has for a, a while there, like, like mm. in the movie Australia with Hugh Jackman where it was mm. a little touch and go. What I find really interesting about her is that she always chooses really complex roles and she's done so many different types of films in her career. You know, I think at one point Nicole Kidman was kind of pigeonholed as like beautiful kind of love interest or something. Yes. Um, and then and she has deliberately chosen. She's doing like practical magic. Yeah, exactly. And she could have just kept on that path and instead she's chosen a really diverse range of films that some are big blockbusters like, you know, Australia or Moulin Rouge and then others are these like really tiny films, art house kind of films. She's done theatre. She played Virginia Woolf, you know. She did. That was Um, in like early 2000s. Yeah, she was also in Lion. She played um, the adoptive mother in Lion, which is amazing. We've talked about Lion. We have, yeah. And part of the reason I find her career so fascinating is that she does choose roles that have really complex stories for women where um, it's not really clear. They don't always follow the same kind of trope. And sometimes they're a bit hit and miss. Yeah, right. But I, I like that about her, that she challenges herself as an artist and you really get that feeling um, when you're watching a film of hers. Anyway, The Undoing, it's gripping. Basically um, Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant's life kind of upends because um, a woman is uh, one of the mothers at the school is murdered. Who was it? And her son finds her. I know. And who was it? And then everything kind of starts to unravel or undo, as they would say. I'm just going to grab the charger. All right. Okay. Just give me a second. Sorry, Colleen. legs, Claire. Do you know my standard answer now is when I go to the gym? I love talking about the gym. I love talking about fitness, Claire. He does, honestly. Um, what are you telling but, us? Oh, there people, like, if, you know, the people are like, hey, how was that or whatever? And I'm like, I'm just fucking old. I don't know. Just <laughs> fucking leave me alone. <laughs> That's your standard answer, everything. I reflected the other day that we're married, which technically means if all goes well, we'll be together forever, which means that for the next 50 years, I have to listen to you complain about how you can how old you are and you're only 30 what seven I don't know. so we've got a long road if this is if this is level of complaining and level of like staring into the mirror looking at all your wrinkles asking me how you look oh god it's gonna go on for a real long time all right, baby monitors. Oh, God, any other parents out there? You can delete whatever you like. My turn? Delete it all. Yes, anyway, I would just recommend it. Really fun, kind of gripping, a little bit anxiety inducing. And if nothing else, watch it for Nicole Kidman's outfits because they are on point. Absolutely. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Uh, I watched Kevin Hart's latest Netflix special. It's called Zero Fucks Given. And uh, I'm, I'll set this up. Is that your memoir? No, this is Kevin Hart's Claire. Oh, uh, you know Kevin Hart, don't you? He's a comedian. He does. Didn't he have a was like a like a medical problem? Yes, he did. I'm gonna talk about that. But um, yeah. anyways, I'll start by saying it's fine. It's completely serviceable. I know he's like the most popular comedian in the world, and that sounds like a dig. But I watched ten minutes of his last special, and it was awful. It was one of the worst special. Uh, maybe, no, it wasn't very good. There was like. 80,000 people in the stadium or whatever and there's like a like a 40-foot screen behind him and he's like screaming to this huge audience and it's like a weird atmosphere because there's like too many people there and I'm like – and he's like, I live in a big house with a big driveway and then it like appears on the screen and I'm like, mm. I hate this. Anyway, so I stopped watching it. But this new one, I so when I say it's fine, it was like it's, it's solid. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's in his living room because of COVID. Uh, spoiler alert if you don't know that's happening. But um, – <laughs> So he's brought people You're in. You're going to tell us how it all ends? Oh, well, mate, I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> but uh, but not good. No. Uh, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Don't even worry about it. But um, so he's brought people into his living room. It's like a very small and intimate audience on a small stage. And he just kind of reflects on like the year that he's had. And there's a bit of like, oh, I, everybody's trying to cancel me all the time or whatever, which I'm like, oh, boo, stop. Like, ugh. Maybe stop telling everyone how big your house is, mate. Yeah, well, I mean, that's not why. There was something to do with Alan and whatever. I don't know. He was supposed to host the Oscars. I, I don't really remember or care. But, you know, he's not cancelled because he's very successful and, and doing these kinds of things, obviously. But, you know, it's brisk and it's it's fun. It's got, you know, some pretty decent jokes in there. He talks about a lot about, like, being rich and famous and, like, being a family man and how he's, his kids are kind of spoilt now and how it's kind of amusing where, like, they'll have to fly. If they have to ever have to fly coach, they, like, call him in a panic and they're, like, they don't understand what's going on. I'm sure it's all made up and... How you have to actually line up at like Disneyland as opposed to like if you're rich, they'll just you can do all the rides actually, in like forty three. minutes or whatever. He also talks about because last year he was in a terrible car accident, and uh, so he talks quite a bit about that about what um what happens in his recovery and how he has to like a like a like a sixty year old nurse had to wipe his ass and all these kinds of things. So he hit all these kind of low points or whatever, and it was it was interesting. Um, so yeah, when he was kind of more talking about like his personal life and that, I found it like more more engaging as opposed to like. People are trying to cancel me and whatever. But, um, yeah, it's fine. You know what I mean? Put it on while you're doing something else, I guess. <laughs> but, again, I can't stress this enough. I really hated the last one. And I, and I sat through this entire thing, like, very easily. So so it was better. 100% better. What's his kind of shtick? Because I've actually never watched a thing. Um, I don't know. He's kind of, he's, like, small and he's, like, loud and manic. He's small. It sounds very familiar. And his memoir's called Zero Fucks Given. Yeah. Jesus. So he's basically you. We're very comparable. We have equal levels of success. (laughs) But, yeah, no, like he's, you know, he's affable and whatever. He's Like he's clearly very like, you know, he's good. What are his jokes about, though? I don't know. Like the things that I just said, like his family, his career, the accident that he had. I am. He talks about – actually there's a funny story where he talks about how – 
he took boxing classes and the and the trainer kind of talked him up too much, so he thought it like he and then when he fought like an actual boxer, he got like he just got fucking wiped, which I thought was <laughs> which is quite funny. Um, yeah, it's, it was I liked it. It was good. All right. Yeah. Anyway, what do you cool. got? Excellent. Uh, okay, so I am going to recommend something everyone's probably well, not everyone, but is a lot of people already know about. Yes, The Crown season four with Co- the Queen played by Olivia Coleman. Because oh obviously, I've already talked about this before. Unsuggestible. The Queen. It's just the story of the royal family in Britain. Britain. Um, but this, the last season, season three, wasn't so into. I don't know. I just it wasn't that. Was it, I didn't it think it was that interesting. Not a great or a very interesting period in history. Would you say that's part of it? No, it was still very interesting and there were huge things that happened. I think I found it quite depressing. And maybe also I think I preferred the actors in the first two seasons. And even though I love Olivia Coleman, I just, I really enjoyed those first two seasons because they had this really amazing cast. Even though this cast is great too and Helen Bonham Carter's in it. I don't know. Who does she play? She plays Princess Anne. Oh, of course. Yeah, that, makes, sister. that makes so much sense. I think it's – is it Anne? No, not Princess Anne. Princess Margaret. Margaret sorry. Okay. Yeah, Anne I, is I um, her daughter. Yeah. Um, um, Queen Victoria's daughter. Yeah, no, she plays, um, yeah, her sister. And in the first two seasons, um, the actress who I can't remember her name who played her sister – just does it so well and I guess it's quite racy and interesting and in that way. And that cast shift and. Yeah, and yeah. it's sort of, it's, uh, maybe it's just that. It's the cast shift and you, uh, I. Feels like really a different sit. show. Yeah, it feels I like imagine. a different show. Yeah. Um, it's so beautifully done though. Oh my oh, goodness. It's amazing. And this season obviously follows the story of Princess Diana yeah. and people have been long awaiting this because of the fascination with her. And I remember. So I there's a doc on Netflix. That yeah, there is a well. documentary. Is that a new one or? Um, I think. So, yeah, have a little look. Um, I haven't watched that yet. I think that I didn't ever really quite understand the obsession with Princess Diana. I think I was just that little bit too young to really get it. I just remember 2017. I seeing her face everywhere and understanding um, that she was really loved and that it was a really tragic story. And also kind of hated, yeah, and how, yeah, controversial figure, I guess. Um, and then when she died, I remember being just shocked and huge. quite devastated and then thinking about, you know, Harry and his brother William and yeah, all yeah. of that. Um, but, yeah, I never really understood exactly what was going on and why she was loved and hated and all of the things. Um, oh, Emma Corrin, who plays her, is, does an uncanny job of yeah, it's kind it's of crazy. It's kind how of amazing, really. She was, she was 36 when she died. Yeah. She's younger than you. Mm. Yeah. Older than me. I know, see, right? Because isn't that interesting? When you because we were kids when she died, and I remember thinking she was, you know, kind of middle aged, you know, probably in her forties at least. Yeah. So yeah, it's crazy. She was Charles would have been older though. Yeah, he yeah. was. And that's what this series really explores really well, I think. Um, A in season three, um Prince. I didn't really know anything about Charles mm. and it's kind of heartbreaking what happens with him and Camilla Parker Bowles. And so they really explore him as a fully fleshed out character and you start to really understand why he becomes the man that he does in the relationship with Diana. Yeah. Because she was so young. She was 18. Yeah, and which, he was like 10 years older. Yeah, yeah, and in love with someone else and not allowed to marry her and she was married to someone else and so – he was kind of almost forced into a corner to choose her and the naivety of Princess Diana, they really, and obviously some of this is fictionalised. So, so she was 18 when they married? At least when they met, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Really makes sense, young, yeah. yeah. 
and she was living with housemates cleaning her sister's flat, you know. I mean, she was a lady. She was a teacher, right? Diana. Um, no, she was, was a helper. A Kate Middleton, I think, might have been a teacher. No, Diana was a help. She was a kindergarten helper. Okay, that's what so it was. So she yeah, wasn't yeah, yeah. qualified. Like a teacher aide kind yeah, of she was thing. a teacher's yeah, yeah. aide. Yeah. And she seems, you know, very sweet, but very, very innocent and no idea what she's walking into and almost sort of in it as you would be when you're 18. You're a teenager. You're kind of swept up in the romance of the idea of it. You don't really understand what marriage is. You don't really understand what the kind of heavy responsibility you're walking into. And he didn't take his hat off for like a few years. So, but then when he, he did, he's like his ears stuck out. And she was like, "Wait a minute, this isn't what I signed up for." Anyway, I, it's really worth watching. It's 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 really gripping, and I've just been watching I, back. I could, to back I've never episodes. been able to get into it, but I should probably sit down and like properly commit to it, right? Because I don't yeah. like the royal family. Yeah, well, and I'm it doesn't. Thoroughly... This, this show does not make you like them more <laughs> either. Um, yeah, but the, I think the pro, I think the reason you might find it hard is the pacing is slow, and things happen then very quickly. You have to watch it. You can't yes. do something else while you're watching it in a way because it happens quite slowly. But then also, the beauty of it is the sets and the kind of imagery and the way that they portray like expressions on their faces, and so you do have to kind of get absorbed in it, which is kind of quite hard now. Yeah, totally. Because of the yeah, way yeah. our brains are kind of wired with phones. Anyway, I just thought what an incredibly sad story and I had never really contemplated just how miserable, like they really explore Princess Diana's eating disorder. Oh, I didn't know about that. Yeah, okay. um, and just how how isolated she was. I had no idea. I didn't really, couldn't, didn't really understand the isolation that she must have fought, gone from living with girlfriends in a flat in London to suddenly in this giant palace, Prince Charles was like never there. She barely saw him before the wedding. They barely knew each other. Mm. Um, and she's just sort of thrown into this ridiculous media spot, like yeah. spotlight and hounded from that day forward. So I I'm, I haven't finished it yet, so it'll be interesting to see where it, where they take it. They do 10 episodes of Thingamajig? I think so, yeah. yeah. I'm up to episode four. So anyway, but that's on Netflix. Gillian Anderson, interestingly, plays Thatcher. Margaret Thatcher. Yeah. Oh, the not, old iron the woman iron or whatever they lady. call her. Yeah, played also by uh, Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. Yeah, I'm acting Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep, look at my acting. <laughs> look at me. <laughs> I love Meryl Streep though. but I, I, do I like s- looking at her acting. I do. But that's the problem with I think Gillian Anderson's portrayal as well. It's so fascinating to see Margaret Thatcher um, played out in this way and what she goes through. And then I didn't realise there's a story about her son who goes missing in this car race in the middle of, I think it's like Argentinian desert or something crazy. And I haven't finished that part of it either. The problem, I think, with Gillian Anderson's portrayal of it. Excuse me. Oh, my goodness. Bless you. Is that I can't get over the fact that it's Gillian Anderson in a wig with some kind of prosthetic teeth. They're doing some big, some big Hollywood acting. Yeah, and it. I love Julius. I think she's brilliant, and I think she's doing a great job. But I don't know. I just. Do you think maybe time, it's too I, heightened? Yeah, I do. I feel like though, if you see like interviews of her in real life, she is she's heightened. pretty fucking like up here all the time. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I think she's doing a really great job of it. Maybe if I went and watched some of Margaret Thatcher again in real life, I'd be like, oh, God, she dead. actually did look like she was wearing a wig. And have prosthetic teeth. I don't know. I don't know. I, I sometimes find when actors do that. I don't get that hair. Like people who wear that hair. Like it's so much effort and also like 
You look like a mushroom. What are you doing? <laughs> but I think it's from it's from a particular look for women back then, that oh, yeah. helmet hair. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's a real vibe. Um, and sometimes people get stuck in an era with their hair and then it just carries forward. Oh, it's the Jerry Seinfeld effect. Yeah. <laughs> of like he's wearing his bloody his jeans and his runners or whatever. You get locked into a look. I'm you definitely do. locked into a look. Yeah. Mm. With a T-shirt and jeans. T-shirt and oh, jeans. how uh, controversial. But I feel like there. that's a classic, classic look. Oh, oh my God, I'm Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> oh, my God. He's having an existential crisis at 37. Mm. Anyway, so, yeah, that's uh, on Netflix as well. So I should check it out. I think you should, but also you do have to really lean into it. But actually this season of all of them I think is one of the most Yeah, see, that's, this is the season where I'm like, oh, yeah, this is like the era that I grew up in. Not, not like, yeah, grew up in. I don't know it, but like, you know. It's, no, I mean it's around 1981 when they're getting yeah, yeah, married. Yeah, which is obviously so, before I was yeah. born. I, I just think what was one thing it did strike it me. It just dominated though. Like it was in the, you could not get away from it. She was the it. most famous woman it in the whole everywhere. world. Yeah. Mm. And I'm I not just talking about when she died. I'm just talking like every day. Yeah. Like it was all the time. I know. And which is why I understand like the Meghan Markle, Prince Harry thing. Oh, it's making me understand him even yeah. more. Of course. It ki- like yeah. it killed her, really. It, kill- it did. It killed yeah. her. And you can see the choices that the royal families were making. There's a really interesting juxtaposition with her going hunting with who's the Queen's husband? What's his name? Philip. Prince Philip. When they're deciding whether or not she's suitable for Charles, and, okay. it, and they shoot this massive stag, mm. and there's it's a really kind of clever way, and she's so delighted in it. But they're clearly making a point that they've got her, and it's like killing a stag. It's yeah, like killing okay, yeah. her. It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. Oh yeah. God. Um, but it, you can t- you can see how it happens. She's this kind of wide eyed, really innocent. Excited Can you imagine teenager. walking into that at 18? I yeah, know 18, you have no idea 18 what you're is obviously very into. mature and whatever. Like you can be that, but there is a big difference between 18 and 28. You know oh, I, mean? I would say the difference is it's probably nearly as big as 8 and 18. Totally. Like it's, I know every, like you're legal and you're technically an adult and all those things, but that, like it's, it's. Yeah, there's so, there's a lot of yeah. naivety there. Just, I think around what marriage means, mm. and particularly in that era, in the 80s, I think maybe women and, and men are, are more awake now to what it means, to, to what your choices are in life, I guess, and what it means to commit to someone for that long. Yeah. But I think in the 80s, there just wasn't that same level of discussion around it. And you can see her. Choose, saying yes to this thing and and actually saying yes to be to living in a cage yeah. and not understanding that that's what she was choosing and also the royal family's perspective on it in that she's a young girl that will just enjoy the fact that she's in the palace and she can do what she wants and, yeah and they haven't no not even that they just oh, haven't thought about yeah. her as a fully fleshed human yeah, being sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. they see I mean, her as, in, as you'd be a, happy because you've got everything you need and yeah whatever, but yeah. they don't even think about her it's all about. Is she suitable for the role? Can she be moulded into how they want her to be? Mm. Um, and is she the right kind of fit for Charles? There's nothing about her being a fully fleshed human being yeah. with wants and desires of her own and dreams and aspirations. It's And they don't want her to say or do anything other than be this kind, which I guess is the whole thing about the crowning general. They just want the, her to be like, a silent figurehead yeah. that everyone projects stuff onto. Well, I think that's what a lot of royals are or had, were. Were. I think And what were I think broke the, that, yeah. what broke in that era also was 
you saw them as actual people. Like, cause a lot of that stuff, there was like this understanding in the media where you wouldn't say certain things and like things stayed private. Cause I know, uh, what's her name? Had a sex scandal. Um, a Fergie. It, no, no, um, the sister of the queen, didn't she? Oh, Princess Margaret. Yeah, I know it probably touches on that in the yeah, show. Yeah, they I'm do. Sure it does, yeah. But like, but you remember like there were like leaked audio tapes and phone hacking and all these things started to emerge. There was a lot of this Murdoch shit, um, mm. not large, larger responsible, not always. Mm. But, yeah, it shifted and you saw like Charles, like all the weird like things that he would say in like private conversations, which I won't repeat here because there's, there's one particularly gross thing. You know it? No. About how he, it, okay, fine. It, he wished he was a tampon uh, oh. when he was talking to Camilla Parker Bowles. So oh. he could, you know. Uh, which is a really fucking weird thing to say to somebody, but um, yeah, but and the, God, but then I you think I said wheelie then. You did but, uh, say wheelie, <laughs> a willy willy weird it's thing. Willie Swange, <laughs> a Willie Swange. But um, but then again, I like part of me thinks some there are just some stuff that like people say to each other in private that just should be able to be totally. stay private yep. between two people, you know? I agree. You know, <laughs> as but we're recording. Maybe <laughs> don't do it over a phone. Audio waves. Oh, totally. And when you're in that oh, I'm not saying it's their role. fault because I think there was a lot of thing of like when nudes are like people are like, we shouldn't have taken them or whatever. It's like, no, people shouldn't steal them. That's yeah. That's the lesson. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. So anyway, it's um it is a it is a really interesting look at a very complex family. Mm. Um and it's really given me. Who they a should strip all the power and money away from, if I'm honest. But hey, whatever. <laughs> like give that land oh, back to people. God, yeah. It's Look, ridiculous. there's there's a lot of things that happen in it that, that they're actually touching on um, the um, troubles in Ireland and what. Oh and, yeah, right. Um, oh, yeah, the, the IRA, IRA era, yeah, of um, and you know all the bombings and all the things yeah. going on there. So that yeah, it's just a really really interesting look at it, at British history and kind of world history too. Uh, and there's a lot of kind of timely things when we're thinking now about the global pandemic we're currently going through. Mm. In a weird way, it's kind of comforting seeing like big global events in history recorded and then time passing and things moving forward and changing and moving on and getting better again and then getting sure. worse again and then getting better again. Yeah, it's, well, there's something yeah. kind of comforting about that, you know. Totally. But it's a continuum. Anyway, that's it. That's the show Let's this do, week. Let's do some reviews. I've got a couple here, mate. This is what you can do. You're just doing an app. It really helps the show. Uh, mm. This is one. Uh, this is from Jake uh, Query. says, more more, or as successful. So Claire immediately won me over with the close shave episode with her house on fire metaphor about American politics. Go vote, people. You're too late. I mean, this wasn't late. When, you know what I mean when I was written. I'm trying to go through them. You know what I mean? I'm going through the reviews every week. I get you. I Already get you. knew how effortlessly, effortlessly funny James is after listening to the week of Panafi. It's so true. <laughs> That's me to a team. Oh, uh, but Claire's Zest and Fire here immediately made me subscribe to the less successful Planet Broadcasting pod. Uh, let's make it more or at least as successful. Thanks, mate. Let's make a go of it. I this is from Toaster Poster it. who says, do whatever you want with this podcast. I love this pod even when it gets political. I love this pod even if it's not suggesting me a thing to consume. I love this pod because of the lovely conversations. Keep going. You are doing great. Oh, Thank guys. You. We appreciate that. So nice. Mm. You can review us in the old app. You, you can do it. Do it now. You can do it right now. You can. Woo. All right. Okay. You can also email in the show. It's just like pod at gmail.com. Correct. Just like that. Uh, last week I got an email that asked me to shut up and I got really enraged. Oh, yeah. I did see that on your Instagram. wrote a yeah. thing on Instagram about it. Uh, so I do interrupt you quite a lot, but I will not shut up. 
And uh, I think that yes. was, yeah, I think that was a good learning experience. It was. Uh, the way that it, it, it's on your Instagram, people want to. It see was. It was a real actually, yeah. and um, I don't think it was intentionally malicious, but yeah. No, but I don't was, think yeah. so either. And it was a real lesson, I think, a in speaking up and speak and saying what you think. Being a woman, and sometimes we, I ha, it's not the first time I've been asked to be quiet or shut up um, in emails sure. or comments online. Or real life, no doubt. Or real life, no doubt, correct. Um, and I also thought was really interesting um, is that you can tell that, yeah, it wasn't necessarily intention that way once I confronted um, Charlie, who wrote mm. it, about it. Um, he apologised, and I think that, that is amazing and a real lesson in empathy and understanding that people throw throw things out there, particularly online, forget that there's a real person on the other end. Yeah, yeah. And then, and also, you just I think the other point about it is that you assume knowledge. So often we assume knowledge, like that. The, my rage and anger about the role of women in society and um, what's happened to us over time and why it's so important to champion female stories doesn't just come from one movie that I've watched yeah, <laughs> about some monsters. Yeah, yeah. It comes from a long history of feminism and women fighting for equality. You know, we, we didn't have the vote in, until 1902 mm. in Australia. I couldn't open a bank account in my own name until the 1970s, you know, that, like that kind of stuff. And it happens yeah. all over the world. It's still happening today. And so that's where the anger came from. And you just assume people know that. Mm. Not everybody does. No. So anyway, I've got the that. perfect solution though. If you're ever talking to somebody in person, they're like, hey, shut up. You go, no, you shut up. That's what you do. <laughs> Trust me. It's good. They're like, shut up. You shut up. You fucking shut up. You go like that. Good. Good. That seems excellent. Yeah. Anyway, you can go and follow um, what happened over there on my Instagram at Claire20. Um, but this week I got a lovely email from Bianca Keating. Um, hello, Claire and James. Hope you're doing hello, well. Thank you all for the amazing episode of Suggestible. I love listening to Claire read a poem, hearing James rant and everything in between. Yes, that is me. That's she likes my poetry, me. mate. She likes it. <laughs> Um, after your outrage over the lack of female feminine stories, I would like to recommend The Psychology of Time Travel by Kate Mascarenhas. I had never read anything like it before. All major characters are female, like a mirror image of many classics with all male characters. They have diverse roles, characters and relationships. Also time travel and stuff. Pretty good. Pretty good. All I right. I think I might have recommended you this before, um, but I thought it would be fitting after last week's episode. Have a lovely week, Bianca. We will have a lovely week. We will, Bianca. and we always love that. to hear from you. Please write in. Um, I always endeavour to try and write back. And actually, one new thing I was thinking of this what week. What have you got? Um, if you record a voice memo on your phone instead of an email and email at Distressable Pod, if it's good enough, we might just chuck a little bit in the show. But it has to be good enough. It has if it to doesn't be actually appear on the show, that means it definitively wasn't <laughs> Correct. good enough. But I just would love to hear the voices yeah, of the people. Yeah, we can play them through the. Uh, we can play them through this machiny thing. You we know? totally can. It's not that hard to do. Yeah. yeah so um, if you would like to, you just email record. Keep it brief. I would say keep it brief. Very brief. Um, yeah. Keep like it very under brief. thirty seconds. I would say just so. Um, Correct. You know. Tell us where you're listening from. Tell us your name, where you're listening from, and what your recommendation is. Uh, yeah, that'd be it. And that'd you can it. email the show at suggestiblepod.gmail.com. I will. Okay, you do, All old right. man. See you guys on another episode. All right. um, and thank you to Rob Collings for editing oh, this baby monitoring interrupty episode. How does he do it? He's magic man. Well, how do you think he does it? Magic, I told you. Oh, my God. I know. I wish I you were magic. No, I'm not. I'm regular. <laughs> I'm regular and boring, just like you, the listener. I'm being relatable. 
You're actually I'm a magician. I'm as dull as everybody listening to this. You're actually a magician, mate. I am. That's true. You I can do that one legit, trick. Legit one trick. Which I'll only never reveal. You. <laughs> thank you, Sila Magic. Yeah, it's, you are legit, Madge. No, I'm not. But thank right. you uh, and goodbye. Goodbye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.